Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are studying the 25th parak of Sefer Shmuel, which tells a very layered and interesting story, but it opens first with the death of Shmuel. We learn that Shmuel dies and the nation gathers and they mourn him. And then we move on to the, to the bulk of the parak, which deals with uh, the narrative of David, Avigail, and Naval. But the fact that the parak opens with Shmuel's death indicates to us that that somehow frames the events that take place afterwards, that it holds some explanatory power for the events that will take place in the bulk of the parak. And we'll, I want you to think about that as we move through the parak, and we'll come back and talk about uh, how that might be, how Shmuel's death might be related to the story which this parak tells, the story of David, Naval, and Avigail. We learn that there's this very wealthy man. His name is Naval. Often in Tanakh, names are indicative of a person's character, and here that is certainly the case. Naval means crude or ungrateful, and that's an impression of Naval that we get confirmed time and again in this parak. Naval, in short, is a bad guy. But despite being a bad guy, he manages to marry a wonderful woman, an intelligent, beautiful woman named Avigail. And we learn that Naval possesses a huge flock, and he's readying to shear that flock. And David finds out. Now, we have to remember, David is in the wilderness. He's still on the run. Despite his apparent reconciliation with Shaul in the last parak, David still recognizes that he's in a precarious situation, and he's in the wilderness, which means that he's dealing with scarcity. He doesn't have a lot of resources. He needs to provide for himself and for his men. And so he sends messengers to Naval, who he wants uh, uh, to communicate to Naval that while his Naval's animals were in the wilderness, David and his men protected them. That when uh, the animals were there, David and his men didn't harm or take any of these animals. And in fact, they even provided them with protection. And as such, David instructs his messengers to very kindly, in a very positive way, with blessings and, and, and kind greetings, to ask Naval for some portion of, uh, of his, of his uh, yield from these animals and some, some amount of food. Now, to be frank, this sounds a lot like extortion. <laughs> it sounds like when a mafioso walks into a local shop and tells the owner, you know, you've benefited from the protection of me and my, uh, and my partners, your uh, storefront. It's, it would be a shame if your storefront was bashed in if we weren't protecting you in the way that we are right now. And so you should give us a cut of your profit. That's, that seems to be kind of what's happening here. Uh, from the simplest reading, initially, that's the impression you get, that David is kind of making Naval an offer he can't refuse. But as you'll see, despite that reading being available to us, it's clear from the continuation that David is actually in the right. And, uh, and in fact, Shal, uh, Naval does refuse. Uh, Naval uh, goes on a tirade against David's messengers. And he says, who does, who does this Ben Yishai think he is? I'm not giving him a dime. He's extremely disrespectful and dismissive of David and his men. And this outrages David, who immediately readies himself and his men to go and kill Naval, to go and attack them. And he marches forward with 400 men, but Avigail intervenes. She finds out what's about to happen. She prepares a lavish gift for David and his men, lots of food above and beyond what was apparently asked initially. She sends that out uh, to greet David and his men, and she follows behind. She bows down to David, and she gives the speech of her life, one of the great speeches of Nach, she brilliantly appeases David in this moment, 
She takes personal responsibility for having not initially paid David. She minimizes her husband and the importance of her husband. Famously, she says, Kishmo Kenhu, the famous phrase, that he is as his name as his name suggests. He is a Naval, he is a Minuval. Uh, meaning, you know, she, she really plays down the importance of her husband. It's a way to minimize the affront uh, to David, who himself is feeling minimized by Naval. She says, oh, don't, don't worry about this guy. He's, he's a nobody. And most importantly, she tells, she convinces David that to kill Naval would be a, a stain on David's record. That ultimately, though Naval would pay the immediate price, David would also, in the long run, really pay the price of having this of having this stain on his record and, and acting in this immoral way. But she, she tells that, she communicates that to David in a, in a subtle way. So she doesn't just head on to tell David what you're doing is wrong. She makes it, you know, this is not in your interest, David. So it's, it's really brilliant the way she appeases David and she succeeds in saving herself and her family and saving, saving the day for Naval and, and, and all, of, all of Naval's people. Soon afterwards, Interestingly, Naval dies, so he gets his kind of punishment, his fitting punishment from on high, and David marries Avigail. And the story seems to end on a happy note, it seems to be this great story, but if you dig down a little bit, we recognize that this story is very complex. Is David in the right, or is David not in the right? And it's clear upon reflection that initially, David is kind of in the right. It's a little murky, as we said. David's not extracting payment from Naval for something that he was contracted to do. He's not extracting payment from Naval for, for that was based on some agreement. He provided some sort of benefit to Naval and, and he expects payment. But ultimately, it, it's clear that the, the, the presentation here uh, sides with David. And Avigail sides with David that David was deserving of some sort of payment. So David starts out being in the right and then shifts very clearly to the other extreme. He overreacts and he's going to do something. David is on the brink of doing something that's immoral. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of subtlety in this parak. The only consistently good actor is Avigail. David himself starts off in this murky good side and then very much in this very clear bad side. And it's the first time that we see a different side to David, that we see this dark side of David who is in, at this point really using his power or was on the brink of using his power for bad. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's new. Up until now, David has, has been, I think, pretty firmly in the good. We've had a question mark about <clears throat> his behavior in Nov, but certainly we wouldn't say that David was abusing power there. He was, he was tricking Achimelech in that context. But here, David is about to do something that is a bona fide sin, really something very bad, and that is... Uh, ultimately averted, thanks to Avigail's intervention. Rabbi Bazak, Rabbi Amram Bazak, whose essays I, uh, I often turn to on Sefer Shmuel, so he has a really powerful analysis of this parak by noting, uh, he notes, uh, the literary allusions that this parak has really help us tell this, tell, tell this story, the shift of David from being in the right to being in the wrong. And there, there's really a, a two literary illusions that I want to focus on. Initially, our parak opens <clears throat> with a, a, an extended literary allusion to the story of Yaakov and Lavan. David here is this kind of pious shepherd-like figure who is being denied payment that he is owed from Naval. So David is much like Yaakov, who is the shepherd to Lavan. 
And Naval, of course, is like Lavan. And in fact, their, their names are spelt with the very same letters. And Chazal make this connection explicitly between Naval and Lavan. They're these greedy, wealthy men who are uh, incorrectly withholding payment from people who have done services for them, who have served as shepherds. So the connection there is, is, is pretty powerful. Yeah, Yaakov, at one point in, in Bereshis, he makes this impassioned speech to Rachel and Leah. He says, I worked hard for your father day and night under the harshest conditions, and the whole time none of his animals went missing, never did I take any for myself, etc., etc. And here David is making really that same argument to Naval. And in addition to these kind of broad textual uh, parallels, there are also very uh, subtle and, 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 and concrete parallels in the text, literary allusions from one to the other that Rabbi Bazak excavates very beautifully. And so it's very convincing that here, Yaakov and, uh, and David are being equated. And that serves to only uh, underscore the fact that David is in the right here. David is the Yaakov figure initially. And, uh, and, and that, that confirms for us that David was right to ask this payment of Naval. However, once uh, David is setting out to kill Naval in response to Naval's rejection, so then the literary referent in the Torah changes. And it, it moves actually to the very next story in the Torah, and that's the confrontation between Esav and Yaakov. And who is David being compared to now, subtly by the text? He's being compared to Esav. David approaches uh, uh, Naval with 400 men. Esav approaches Yaakov with 400 men. And who is uh, Yaakov in this story now? It shifts from being David to now being Avigail. Just like Yaakov, she sends, forth, she sends forth gifts in order to appease this band of men who are coming to destroy her family, just as uh, Yaakov sent forth gifts, right? Avigail and Yaakov both do the same thing, sending forth these gifts to appease this horde of 400 men coming to destroy their family. Similarly, uh, Avigail bows down to David and, and it gives this, uh, this speech that appeases him, just as Yaakov did to Esav. And so it drives home uh, th- this idea that initially Yaakov, excuse me, initially David was this Yaakov figure in his confrontation with Lavan and his confrontation with Naval. And then as the parak turns... And, ya- and David strays into more problematic territory in his uh, attempt to now go and avenge this affront uh, from, from Naval, he now becomes Esav, and Avigail becomes Yaakov. And so the, 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 this subtle background, these literary allusions, really serve to amplify and even clarify, crystallize for us, I'll say, to crystallize for us the moral right and wrong in this story. And we see that David goes from a Yaakov character to an Esav character. Very, very powerful. And perhaps, to, just to tie this back to Shmuel's death, we can say that uh, Shmuel may have been a kind of stabilizing force in, in David's life up until this point. And perhaps Shmuel's influence, even if it's in abstentia, uh, was, was, was felt by David and, uh, and, and kept David. It was a kind of corrective for David. And now it's specifically in the wake of Shmuel's death that we have our first encounter with David uh, on the dark side. Uh, David, uh, we kind of have this near miss where David flirts with making a grave moral error and sin. And perhaps it is precisely uh, as a result we're meant to understand and to connect it to the fact that Shmuel has just died. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.